Hey guys, and welcome back to Scary Stories to Tell Your Sister. I'm Megan. And I'm Dana. And let's get on with the show. everyone sorry for the radio silence on our end last week we decided to postpone recording because i was sick and then i forgot to make an announcement about that so my bad but not my bad this time because here is another announcement up front first thing and we'll make sure to keep up with this reminder about it so you all are aware but this season of stories is soon coming to an end Episode 30 will mark the end of season one. That's not the end of everything. It's not the end forever. It's just the end of season one. Yes. And Megan and I are taking us some time off to catch up with life, research, and all that entails. And we'll be back soon with an all new season two. But yes, right now we're back. Give us time to curate some more scary goodness. And we'll be back better than ever. We'll rest our bones, do some traveling, maybe do some camping on my end. Camping? I know. I'm really excited. What? Are you going camping? I might. I might do like, I've been looking lately at like campsites and stuff like that. I've been using a site that I will tell you about later just in case Abby listens to this. Actually, no. I'll tell you about it now. It's called Hip Camp. And it like shows you places nearby that have like, places that you can do camping you can do rvs you can do like cabin type things Ooh! so i like it a lot what and is it like a surprise for abigail yeah because she's not doing her commencement ceremony oh. and so she we she might have family visiting but just in case because they haven't gotten the tickets yet and it's like next week and it'll be like memorial day weekend pricing so I'm like, ooh, that's a little risky. So just in case, I want to have a nice backup plan. And my plan is to be like, pack your bags. We're going. And, and the thing is, because we're up in Massachusetts, that so many states are within, like, driving distance and spots. Like, even, like, Vermont, Connecticut, New Hampshire, Maine, everything's only a couple hours drive. So, like, there was one spot I saw in Vermont. And it was like two hours away, which I mean, yeah, it's a long drive, but it's not that bad for a right. whole new experience. And the thing about the site that I like is it's easy to find pet friendly ones too. We'll take our boy with us and Aww. for a little road trip adventure. And I think it's really nice for that aspect because like a lot of places are like in woods and forests and like farms. There was one that was like a, a mini farm in the Catskills area. Oh, I love the cat. That had like a leather, like it had a door, I had a wall of windows. And it was tiny and they're like, no electricity, no running water. Oh, this is gorgeous. And it's like such a cool experience. And I'm like, he would love just like running in a field, you know? And there's some that are like on the waterfront. Like he would love swimming in that. So. Could you do the no electricity though? Yeah, it's like camping, you know? Well, I mean, I'm sorry. Could you do the no water? Like no running water, isn't that what it said? Yeah, I could do that. I mean, it's like 
camping in, in the same sense when you have like a porta potty type thing or like a compost toilet. That's true. Uh, and then I mean, we don't be going for like one or two nights. So I can do that a shower. I'm a dirty girl. <laughs> I, I'm not like you or Rachel who have to take a shower every single day. I take a shower like not every single day. I need to have clean, very clean feet before I get into bed. I cannot have a dirty foot <laughs> before going into my bed. I mean, I guess because also I'm up here and I wear socks all day. Even at work, when I like, take off my shoes at work, I wear socks indoors. Oh, see, so. I, I couldn't do that. My feet get constipated. <laughs> get angry toes. So like I, my feet are always covered. And then in, in the summertime, when they're not, I do like to... When the living's easy? When the living's easy. I do tend to rinse them off sometimes, but not full body shower. That's too mm -hmm. much work. And also, it doesn't help because our apartment only has a shower, which, I mean, obviously is great. But the water temperature doesn't last as long and as hot as I want it to be. I like to boil alive in the shower. Um, and also, I like to take baths more often. I'm a bath queen. You're like mom. Yes. Like, boil me alive. Like bath, but I feel like I want to be clean before I get in the bath. Because for you, you're soaking in filth. Yeah. You want to be in a hot tub. You don't want to be in a bath. You want to be in a hot tub. Uh. Yeah, no. So that's one of the things. And I'm looking at different places for that. And it's funny because I looked, I looked at like Verbo, Airbnb. I looked a whole bunch of places. And even like Getaway. And like a tiny, tiny camping thing in like the cat skills too. The other were like really expensive. And I was like, I don't want to spend that much money for like this. And I found this site and I really like it. You can sponsor us, Hip Camp. I don't think you sponsor anything, but we have no sponsors, but I love you. I will, I haven't actually used you yet, but I plan to very soon. What is um, it called? Hip Camp. Oh, H-I-P-C-A-M-P. I'm hip. I'm cool. Okay. I'm a cool mom. Um, I'm a cool mom. Not like a regular mom. Mom. I'm a cool mom. And yeah, so I've been doing that. And then also we're seeing Taylor Swift this weekend. Oh, that's right. Are you very excited? I'm very excited. I'm very nervous because <laughs> we're going to see her in Foxborough, which is where Gillette Stadium is, which is like the Patriots play, all that jazz. But Unlike other stadiums and places like that, this is like in a, it's like in the suburbs, a stadium in the suburbs. Mm -hmm. There's only one road in or out to the stadium. No. There's only one road in or out to the stadium. No. Like, so once you get off the highway from any way you go, you're on one road. That's it. Oh, my God. And we saw her there years ago. And I remember coming home afterwards and being like, we will never leave this road. We live on this road now. And that was, oh, was it, did it take that long? It take like getting there was okay. I remember getting there wasn't a bad issue with us, but leaving was like, well, this is where we all die. <laughs> and the thing is, this concert of hers, it's like three hours long. Mm -hmm. And it's a big deal. Like she played in Philly last weekend and the concert was sold out. And yet 20,000 people. 20,000 people showed up outside to like tail. Yeah. But that thankfully, so Gillette, crazy. Gillette's like, no, no one can come. You can't park if you don't have a ticket. 
Oh. Because the thing is, the stadium has like shops and restaurants and things like that there too. They're like, nope, you can't park here if you don't have a ticket to the event. So I'm very nervous about that. We have some friends coming from Florida who are coming with us. And like, you guys are like parking, parking opens at 2.30. The show doesn't open until like 6.30, but the gates open at 4.30. It's like all these things. We work there early enough to find like good parking and like not be stressed because I have anxiety i don't know if you knew that but i have i have anxiety you, you do i have like freezing body anxiety and yeah so we're printing that and also there's rain in the forecast oh no and it's an open air stadium so oh. i'm i'm expecting rain but it's gonna be like rainy and the high is like in the 60s so it's gonna be cold rain yeah, so I have my outfit planned. I'm very excited, and I'm going to get a poncho, so we're prepared. And, yeah, and I'm very excited because also one of the songs I really want her to play, she played, like, for the, for the one of, like, Gillette's, the first stadium show she ever played, like, ever, the first, one of the first stadium shows, and it was her first Rain concert, too, at Gillette. Mm-hmm. So, memories excitement so and so maybe one of the one of the songs we really want to hear which is long live that might play in the rain and i will dance in the rain i'm very excited but yeah no and then next to only work three days and then i have a five-day weekend why Uh, it's memorial day weekend and they're going to the cape oh nice yeah and i had off for abby's graduation so Awesome. Well, it yeah. sounds like a lot of fun things coming up. I'm yeah. happy. As you should be. As you should be. My 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 body isn't falling apart. It's I not- haven't been sick with a cold. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't let me sleep ever. Or ankles that are broken. Oh, boy. They're not broken. They're just weak. Weak. But how are you? I'm good. I I had a lot of fun last week. Last weekend, I went to the beach. I went to the Springs, just all the fun things that you can enjoy in Florida. And let me tell you, I mean, Florida is a shit show right now. I don't care. It's a shit show. But man, you got some pretty sights there with with the Springs and the beach. You got some good weather days too. We do. And yeah, we've been taking advantage of the, the nice weather and just trying to ignore all the crap that's going on around us it, it sucks when i was talking to people they're like where are you, where are you going I'm like well my family is in florida but they're gonna visit me because i don't want to visit them <laughs> this is where i bring out the cards for do you want to build a commune do you want to build a commune do you say yes I'll let you have goats if you want to. <laughs> I will even more matching dress. I won't, but it's fine. I love pigs. Uh, I told Abby, I said, when we get a place with a yard, we probably won't be like in the city city, obviously, but I want a place with a yard and I want chickens. Oh, yeah. You should get that. So I feel like with the eggs aspect, just like a nice little thing. Chick, chick, cheap, cheap. Yeah. Cheap, cheap. I actually just learned about oh, 
crappy deppy do. What is it called? But like sometimes chickens will lay, God, what is it called? It was such a unique name. But like these mini eggs, like either they could be stressed or um, yeah, factors, but they're called something that's so interesting. Give me one second because I want to find out what it is. When a chicken lays a stress a- egg. Stress egg. I have anxiety. <laughs> but you don't lay any eggs. I don't. I just vomit. Yeah, I don't remember what it's called. I feel, I wish I could tell you. Let me see. Oh, fairy egg. Fairy egg? Yes. Oh, yeah, sure. fairy egg. Oh, you found it? Yeah. Isn't that cute? Yeah. So, but cute I looking. saw this woman, this woman opened one of her fairy eggs and there was a fairy inside. I'm just kidding. It was just a regular egg. I was waiting to see your reaction and you did not react. It took all. me, it took me a moment to get there. I thought you said a fairy egg was inside because I was reading about, they're also called wind eggs, witch eggs, cock yes. eggs, or fart eggs. Yeah. Yes. I forgot the wind egg. I heard that one too. Wind egg. How wind. funny. Yeah, so it's like basically like, I think it's like, so the yolk, so it's just an egg white in there. No, no, That's what it says. Well, the fart egg that I saw had a yolk, Dana, okay. and it was a small one, Dana. Well, good for you. Yeah, well, maybe that's maybe that's true. But this lady said her fairy eggs looked the same. Yes, this says fairy eggs occur when the hen's body begins to form an egg before the yolk is released from her oviduct. Therefore, only the white albumen is encased inside the shell. Hmm, interesting. Hmm. So your person was a lying fairy egg. Lying fart egg. Lying, lying fart egg. Well, you know, on that note, everyone, more about lying fart eggs. Good night, and we'll see you next time, right? That's it? No, it's not. We're here for part two of Megan's story. And if you haven't listened to part one, go back. It's a great one. One of our favorite episodes to date, I think. And it's part two about the conspiracies surrounding the Denver airport. And yeah. Are you ready, Megan? I sure am. So yeah, like Dana said, this is part two for the Denver airport. This second half won't be as long, but still, it's still there's still enough creepy goodness to keep you intrigued. Coming back for more. Exactly. So where we left off was, I think we were talking about the first half of the second mural, right? Yes. Okay. So, oh, before we even get started on that, about the rest of the conspiracies, we did find out that there is an animatronic talking gargoyle that comes to visit the airport on occasion. And it's like an interactive gargoyle and it replies to you when it's spoken to. And fun, playful addition. Dana sent me the video. I did it in the news article. Maybe we'll share the video to our page with this as well. Yeah. Because also... Can you imagine that being your job that you basically are sitting behind a screen? Because probably there's a camera there somewhere. You're sitting yeah. behind a screen with a microphone and replying to people as a crass, like snarky gargoyle. Yeah. 
I know a few people that could do that well. And I was like, I could be a gargoyle. <laughs> Ray could be a gargoyle. Oh, yeah, he totally could. He'd be like the, what is his name? He's my boyfriend. Do you know what is my boyfriend's name? It's one. All I can think of is, I have many boyfriends, but the one that reminds me of Ray, because he's very dry. Like His humor is very dry. He's an actor. He was in Ozark. Oh, Jason Bateman. Yes, I love Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman, I love you. All I could think of was Bruce Willis, and I was like, it's not him. Oh, first boyfriend. That was my first boyfriend ever. But anyways. I say all of this to say Ray would be a good gargoyle because he has a dry sense of humor like Jason Bateman. A small recap, guys. Last week, we discussed the oddities that surrounded and inhabited the Denver airport. And we left off talking about the first half of the second mural. And today we're going to pick up on the second half of the second mural. And this is probably the most tame one. So I won't say Which is saying something. Yeah, right. Because if you remember, those other halves were disturbing. So this one, it, it shows the children again from all over the dressed in cultural attire with some children carrying swords wrapped in their country's flag. And in the center of these flags, or in the center of the kids, the, there's a boy that's using a mallet. And he's basically transforming the sword into something a little less deadly. At the bottom of the mural is that Nazi soldier that we had seen from. Oh, yeah. But this time he is clearly out of commission and two doves lay on top of him. And the word peace is written on a banner that lay amongst the children and a rainbow arches over them. So that is basically it for that picture. Now, I will say when I was researching this and they were talking about the rainbow, I, I don't think I mentioned it, but there's a rainbow in the mural that has the the Nazi when he's actually upright and not. Yes. Okay. And there's a rainbow above him. And somebody, I forgot which article it was, but they had mentioned that the rainbow they think was like, deadly like it was dropping off some sort of like dead deadly fumes and that's what was killing the people around them i don't know if that's you know what what it is that's i don't know what it's i've been watching too many too many episodes of manifest to be like oh yes it's a calling it's a sign the rainbow's dangerous (laughs) oh manifest so yeah so anyways i don't know if the rainbow was like a sign of something better laying ahead in the future and then obviously that last mural showed that okay yeah all things are are well now but i don't know who knows what it means here's a random side note that i found while re-listening to the psychic teachers episode on the topic that i was telling you about i love that yes the airport is surrounded by barbed wire fence not a big deal right yeah when you think about it but the strange thing is the barbed wires are actually facing inside, seemingly to keep something from leaving rather than to keep something from coming in. Well, I don't approve of that message. Isn't that weird? What would the that be? The lizard people. Yes. And that's another thing I wanted to bring up. I'm actually not going to go into any sort of deep dive on the lizard people. 
But yeah, that's another conspiracy that this place holds like lizard people or something. I don't know. You're not going to go into that? No, it's just so dumb. Guess what, everyone? Stay tuned. Part three, Dana, lizard people. It was just too dumb for me to even cover. I can't even, like, I, there, I can't even imagine a lizard person. You know what I mean? They shed their skin. Dana, no. <laughs> There's no such thing as a lizard. Do you believe in lizard people? No. Oh, okay. Maybe. You have pause no. there. <laughs> okay. Moving up from the lizard people. In the Great Hall of the Airport, this is probably one of my favorite parts of the Denver airport. There's this dedication capstone. That's and- what I, yes, that's what I wanted to hear about. Sorry, I'm excited. Oh, you're fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it too. So on this capstone, they have the Masonic Square and compasses, compass symbol. And then they also have the names of the contributors listed. Well, one of the names is the New World Airport Commission. And Dana, do you know why that is extremely strange? Isn't that the name of the airport in Station 11? Is it? I don't know. But doesn't we, exist. Does, does it not exist? It doesn't even exist. No. The Uni- United has this video on YouTube that talks about various conspiracies regarding the airport. And in it, one of the conspiracies is that the New World Airport Commission is a moniker for the Illuminati. Now, maybe that's untrue, but the explanation for the made-up organization listed on the dedication capstone is not that much better. And to me, isn't even much of an explanation at all. I'm excited. the public information officer, Alex Renteria, goes on to say, quote, the New World Airport Commission is a completely made up name. When we opened up in 1995, we were a new type of global airport, but that group never existed. So why Sir, make up a That doesn't mean anything. Why make up a name? Why make up a name to add onto the dedication? There's no reason to. There's no reason to. Can I just say? This is a complete side note, but not really. It's like a a, a rip note, a little side note. The other day, we were in the city to go see a show, and driving to the theater uh, on the side road was like the the Grand Mason Lodge in like downtown Boston for the like Masons. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, we're like literally like right next to it. And all of a sudden, a car like pulls over. And parks, and I'm like, well, you're not supposed to do that. So like, it pulls around me in a weird way. I'm like, you can't do that because it was illegal. And I was like, no parking ever type thing in front of me. And the car there is like, oh, you're a fire car. You're something like political, like uh, not political. You're something like fire or police or whatever. Yeah. And so they park there. And the guy gets out. I'm like, oh, you look an important dude. He gets out of his car and he walks directly into the Mason building from his little like fire fire fighter fire whatever chief truck that was parked in the middle of like the road where it shouldn't be and like we parked in the garage and all around us like all of the license plate had like freemason symbols on it and i was like well i feel our car is fine i'm also very concerned that is so strange like because like it was like so there's a main road obviously and then you know there's like fire lanes and stuff like that and then the city 
there's like five million signs that like no parking from here to the curb, no parking on these days at this time, blah, blah, blah. And this one was like clearly stated no parking from here to the curb. And he parked like right in front of it on the curb side. Like, and, like, and I was like, totally fine. I'm like, yeah, who's going to tow your car? You're a city official and you're going into a Masonic Lodge. Wow. Have you said, oh, we met the president of the, of the lodges there. My gosh. Somebody was just telling me, a friend of ours, Dana, that they have like a family member, maybe like their grandmother's father or something, I'll have to ask them, was was part of that. I remember I knew someone, I think, through through one of our friends who yeah. was like, oh, I got invited to join, but I said no. What? And I was like, who was it? Can you, can you? I don't remember who it was exactly. I remember I never got good vibes from the person. Oh, I'll have to remember. What? A male? It was a male. I had, I th- yeah, it was a male. What? Are they only men? I think they're only men. So. And I was like, mm. you got asked to join, but you said no. What? That is so funny. Oh, um, <clears throat> sorry. Oh, no. Moving on. That was good. I'm glad you told me that. <laughs> now you have to keep tabs on this individual and find you out. You think I want to? I, I want. All right. So like we were saying, the explanation that was given about why that na- made up name was added to the capstone wasn't much of an explanation. So and moving on. There's something else about the capstone that's not really creepy, but it's kind of interesting underneath the capstone is a actual time capsule that will be in 2094 sadly Um, and i could only find a few things that are supposedly inside like a signed baseball by whom i don't know tokens from a casino and a couple of coins i shall mark my mind calendar and watch from beyond when they open it and i'm hoping that there's something a little bit more interesting than tokens from a casino and mm-hmm. and like a couple of coins. Like it, it just feels like so last minute, like, oh shoot, what did what did you bring? And everybody's like, I don't know, check your pockets. What do you have? And let's be real. Let's be weird. Let's be real. If we are talking about a place that has New World Order airport, which I that that word is like a very a triggering word. I know, Dana. If that has, like, a thing there and all these, like, Masonic things and, like, Nazi art and weird death art and gargoyles, do you think the only thing in this time capsule are, like, bits and baubles? Is it that the silliest thing you've ever heard? You know they have some someone's cryogenically frozen head in there. <laughs> I'm kidding. Can you imagine? Who would be there? Yeah. Next point of weirdness is the runway layout. Have you heard about the runway layout? This I have not heard of. Okay. I'm going to send you a pic. Okay. And you tell me a little bit about it. Like what and I'll, you... and I'll, and I'll describe it to the lovely readers. Readers, yeah. listeners. As you can tell, I write a lot. <laughs> Give me one second. I, I took a screenshot of it, but this was a little bit ago. So now I'm scrolling back through my pictures. And I think that I might have 
exactly. Delete I can it. look it up. I can look it up if you want. No, 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 no. I don't want okay. you to. I'm going to send you this one. All right, Dina, come in your way. Okay. And it. That's- oh. Oh, okay. It's clear to you then. I was going to say, if that one isn't descriptive enough for you, I would send you another one that kind of outlines it a little bit better. So, Dana, what do you see? Okay, so I don't know how other airports are laid out, but the way this one is laid out with the towers and the terminals being in the center and then there's one, two, three, four, five, like six offshoots from there. But they don't go out in the way you think they would go out. They kind of go out and curve. And they look like an aerial version of a swastika, which is not my favorite. Exactly. So we already have the scary Nazi soldier in the murals. And then a runway that looks like a swastika? Yeah. Eat- And they say that it was formed that way so multiple planes could leave at the same time. That was the explanation for that. Next up, we have a mysterious and unexplainable event that took place, leaving some to believe there was a secret, that there was secret activity going on underground at the airport the evening of November 20th, 2017 at 9 p.m. I was going to give you a quick pause real quick. I'm sorry. I just wanted to let you know that I looked up the, like, the layout of Orlando International Airport. And, yeah, I was like, oh, maybe this is the way it is. Like, maybe they have to do it that way. And it's, like, nothing like it. No way. Yeah. Do you see it? No. Did you send it to me? Oh, straight. Look look at the screen. Can you see it in the screen? Oh, hold on. I don't see you. Give me one second. Okay, hold on. That's fine. I can shut it. Yeah. Yeah. So. So that's not necessary. Yeah. So I'm sorry. I wanted to look that up to compare because I always want to be make sure that like, I'm like, oh, is it something like different? So yeah. Continue on. I'm sorry. No, I'm glad you told me that. Plus, I got to fix the camera. So now I can see you. So. So. That night. On November 20th, 2017 at 9 p.m. So during that night, there was this huge boom that shook the town of Lock Bowie, just 18 miles from the airport. Homes shook so much that things that they had hanging on the walls fell. And some people thought that a vehicle had crashed into their home. No earthquake was recorded. And... The Air Force base even said, yeah, they'd been drilling earlier, but nowhere near the time of the incident. So what was the sound? And did it have anything to do with the supposed mysterious underground activity that takes place at DIA? Was it the lizard people breaking forth from their shells in one large eruption? That was my attempt at making like a lizard sound. I don't really know what lizard sounds make or lizards. Yeah, something like that. You're welcome. So then I added in this little something something that this man had written online about the Denver airport. And he apparently works there or worked there. I don't know if he still does. And he says, quote, 
there are a whole bunch of conspiracy theories in relation to DIA. The tunnels are to some degree found at every airport. However, DIA was built to have a baggage handling system that was supposedly to be highly automated. An entire level below the airport is filled with conveyors and carts and trains that automatically transport bags. The system was a nightmare of poor design and never worked right. It was finally more or less abandoned and a more traditional baggage system adopted. I normally do... I don't know if I wrote this incorrectly or if he misspelled something, but he did some sort of operations. I don't know what the word is. But I tossed bags from Frontier for about a month when they had some labor problems. So I got to see the tunnels that are used for this. I never saw the level with the abandoned automated system. The artwork. Some of this is genuinely creepy. There is a large... All of it is genuinely creepy. Yeah. There's a large blue Mustang with glowing red demonic eyes just off of Pena Boulevard. I have grown to love this sculpture, but it was an acquired taste. This sculpture broke free from its mount mounting during its creation and fell and killed the artist that was working on it. Crazy, but true. There is another mural with a scary-looking soldier with a gas mask storming over what appears to be a rural village in South America. I can't say who picked the decor. As to who paid for the airport, it is a huge infrastructure project. This type of project is funded by many levels of government, federal, state, and local, with all of the complexities of a large group dance. There were rumors that contractors were rotated so that no one builders knew the whole scope of the project. It is true that many contractors were employed to build DIA, but that will be true for any project this size. Lastly, and I hope to not sound like a nut job, but it is possible that there is some contingency of government infrastructure located at DIA. To be clear, I have no evidence to support this and am just speculating. But facilities for this type of thing have been built during the Cold War. Many have been declassified after they were deemed to not be useful or needed. I know of a hotel outside of Washington, D.C. that had a large bunker built under the hotel for use in case of a very bad day. It is possible that DIA had something like this. It would be logical to build something like this at an airport so high level people could evacuate to the location via air. Also, Denver is located in, a very in the very center of the U.S. and has long been home to a security installation like NORAD because of geological stability and distance from any and distance from any coast. Distance from a coast is important because, in theory, a sub would not be able to surprise attack and take out the <laughs> be able to take out the installation we would have at least a few minutes to coordinate a response. This is also why the majority of our land-based nuclear silos are in Colorado, Kansas, and other middle states. So, so it is possible that some government security infrastructure was built at DIA and not exactly talked about. I don't think they have aliens there or anything. I can say I have not seen any yet. Look at that guy at Greenbrier. He was next to a whole freaking bunker. Right? 
Yeah. So I just added that in there because this dude works there. And I do like the way he spoke about it, though. He's kind of talking yeah. about it. He's like, because he's like, yeah, there's this. Yeah, there's that. And kind of explains it. But then also is like, I'm open for other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's basically all I have for you guys this week. And I'll leave you to speculate on your own to decide whether or not you think that there may be hidden bunkers. Lizard and- people. Lizard people, aliens hidden underground, Freemason site, New World Order. Oh, God. Right? Ugh, hate it. Okay. Well, Megan, I love that. I will be here for part three, Lizard people. See you next week. Same time, same place. But until then, I am talking about a location as well. My location is in Indiana, and it is actually a house located at 714 West Warren Street in Mitchell, Indiana. This house was built in the late 1800s or early 1900s, depending on what records you look at. And it has been home to many individuals, both in the human form and the haunting form. (laughs) There is a quote that says, we think there's something inside the house that the house itself is alive. Ooh. That's one quote about it. It was a home. It was a doctor's office. It was apartments. And it was and is haunted. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It says this ho- the house is alive. It knows who it wants in this house and who it doesn't. Mm. This house is known as the Whispers Estate. I had never heard of this. And it was not always known by that name, but it was coined and cemented by the activity that took place within the walls of the house with whispering in the ear and kissing noises occurring. And I already have like goosebumps at the mere thought of something like whispering in my ear in the darkness. (gasps) No. So, yeah, that's why. You laugh at it now, but imagine walking from the... No. So, the the earliest records of the house go back to the 1890s, and in 1901, it was do- bought by Dr. John and Jesse Gibbons with a mortgage that made ha- part of the house a doctor's office. What are you doing? Sorry, she's like putting her nose right up to it, which, I mean, that's what I was doing, I guess, but come on now. Okay, so the doctor's office was part of the house. Like, the first floor of the house, part of it was doctor's stuff and then yeah. there are like rooms above and things like that which i like is, that you like that okay which in of itself isn't the creepiest like i get it it's really nice but when you're having like physicians and surgeons working in a house like that and then you know one day it's gonna be haunted i don't know how i feel about ghosts tied into medical things yeah that makes medical sense. ghosts don't seem like what i want in my life yeah they're a little angry because something Something not happened. Something not happy happened. So, and Dr. John was a bit of a mixed, had like a lot of mixed reviews from what I saw. Some people, he was like, he was a highly accredited doctor. And then a lot of other reviews apparently were biased because they were written by him. Like articles about him, like, yeah, talk about your, your work, you know? And I watched a documentary about this house and there were people like at the like the senior or like retirement homes when they talked to them about Dr. John 
they said that they were told, don't cross by the doctor's house. Like if you're walking home. He lived there? Yeah. He lived in the house too. Him, him, his wife, and they had some kids and stuff like that. We'll talk about that later. They lived in the house. Okay. And so I don't know if this is when he was younger, like a young guy, or when he was older, if people were told don't walk by his house. Because I don't know if the people who were talking about this experience when they were children, how old they are now. Mm -hmm. Because he bought the house in 1901. Okay. So if he lived there for how long? Even like 50 years. He bought it 20 and lived there since he was like 70. That's 50 years to put you in 1950, which is still like of a child's a kid in like 1950. That's like mom and dad's age. So they could be older. So yeah, it makes mm-hmm. sense. Okay. So people who were in like senior homes, not mom and dad, but like so back in the day, who talked about it. And they said <laughs> when they were younger, they were told don't, co- don't cross by the doctor's house. Like, if you're walking on that, that side of the street home from school, you know, they said you to cross over the road, walk past, and then cross back. Okay. And his wife, Jessie, she died of bronchial pneumonia. That's a cough, which is great. Wait, you have bronchial pneumonia? No, no I don't. What? I don't. What the hell did I just say? I don't have bronchial pneumonia. His wife, Jessie, when she died of bronchial pneumonia... Only a short time after that, his sanity was brought into question. And what was termed an insanity inquest was brought upon him. But within four days, it was shown that he was not insane. But the question of his medical license still stood on shaky grounds. Some saying he lost it during the inquest but regained it. And there were comments in the inquest itself that said he had lost feeling in his hands. And was, as a doctor, not the best thing to lose feelings in your hands. And was carrying a gun around in his pocket. And was walking around town in pajamas. I'm like, that's fine. You do you. Not the gun, but the pajamas. <laughs> no gun, pajamas, yes. But then he was seeing imaginary objects. Wait, wait, wait. He was walking down the street in his pajamas? Mm-hmm. Was he a mafia guy? I don't think, no. He's a doctor. Oh, okay, because dad told me about this one mafia dude that did the same thing. But no, he was, dude. like, trying to get out of some sort of probably jail time, claiming insanity or something. Oh, yeah. This guy was trying to say he was sane because they, like, they, they did an inquest on him because of these actions. Gotcha. And they said, no, he's sane. Oh, yeah. Even Sounds even, sane. Even with seeing imaginary objects, which, like, in the context of Haunted House, I'm like, oh, God, was there something even then? Anyway, even though he was deemed not insane, it still forced him into what was deemed by him an early retirement. So over the years, like I said, it it has been occupied by many different people from many different walks of life. And from 2001 to 2004, it remained vacant and unused until the new owner bought it and decided to begin renovations on it. And when renovations occurred, that's when the activity began. Some of the activity we have is rapping on wood, laughter, whispers, people being scratched, doors being slammed shut or open, beds and doorknobs shaking, objects moving like candles being thrown across the, thrown across the room, people hearing their name being called in the middle of the night stomping footsteps 
sounds of things moving around above you and then nothing being disturbed when you go check where the noise came from and people being shoved downstairs. Now I'm going to talk about the lay of the land and some of the many, many experiences from this place. Okay? Mm -hmm. There was one volunteer who was waiting on the porch and looked in to see a large shadow mass looking from the window. And when they went inside from the basement, they heard slow, steady, purposeful steps. And even though all the lights were on, they were able to have a clear, unobstructed view from where they were sitting, like in the kitchen towards the basement. Mm -hmm. All they could see was it's slowly getting darker and darker as a shadowed mass came closer and closer to them up the stairs. Towards them in the kitchen, and they said all the energy changed in the room, and all the sound disappeared as all the hairs on their body stood on end until the shadowy mass stopped for towards them, and a gust of wind blew at them, and they ran from the house. Other staff have had other terrifying encounters. One occasion was someone on staff taking a nap with other staff members around. Here's the thing about this house. It's a house. And let me tell you, there are lots of beds in here. And people like to sleep here. Okay? There are so many things of people sleeping here. I'm going to get that off, off my chest right now. It's a nap house. It's a nap house. Okay? So this, her name was Becky or Rebecca. So she is taking a nap with some other staff members, I guess, during a break or whatever. And she's, like, falling asleep. And she said she could hear the sound of her other coworkers chatting. But she saw, as if in a dream, the blanket around her tightening in a way that it was making it hard for her to move and breathe. That's scary. Like, she even said, she described it so vividly as seeing, like, the weave of the the blanket stretching. You know, when you, like, pull a blanket, you see the fabric stretch? Yeah. She talked about that, and she's trying to move or call out to her coworkers. But no one is responding because she's not making a single sound. And she's trying to scream and suddenly it releases. And she's like, okay, that was weird. And she's in, the, she's in between that state of rest and dream until it begins to happen again. Wheezing her and suffocating like around her. And she's stuck like that until she hears her coworker shout, Becky, are you okay? And she jolts awake, gasping. And she's like, were you guys talking just then? And they're like, no, we were sleeping. We woke up because we heard you, like, gasping for breath, like you were drowning. Oh, God. Which, this sounds like both, like, sleep paralysis, like mm-hmm. a waking dream, and, like, astral pro- projection and demonic entity. And I would be like, hard pass, no thank you. I think one of the top ten things I don't want to happen with a ghost would be when I'm trying to sleep. Yeah, I think any, like, no, no, I'm vulnerable. I'm so prone. Please, no. I'm, I'm, I'm like, not consenting. We need to recharge. We don't need I'm, to be interrupted by anything. When, you, when I'm not you're consenting to a haunt. No. It's like, yeah. So, like I said, I don't know if I'd willingly nap at a haunted house. But, I mean, I, I don't think I would I'll, even visit, let alone work at one. So, you wouldn't. 
I don't know. Really? I don't know. So would you ever stay at a haunted hotel? It depends on the kind of hotel it is. Just like a regular hotel. Now the thing is, do I am I purposely going there because it's haunted? There's this hotel in G- Georgia that's haunted, but it's not listed as haunted, but it's known to be haunted. And I know somebody that stayed there and had an experience. And I stayed there. And oh, was that when you did the Ouija board? Yeah, nothing happened. I won't do that again. I won't play with that again. Mm-hmm. But I did. Um, do- <laughs> See, the thing is, like, I don't know. Okay, one, I think you were stupid as hell. I was going there with the board. Like, if I went, I don't think I'd bring a board or anything like that. If I would go, I would be going there with, like, warding salt. Stay there. Just stay there. Not alone. But you would stay there. Maybe not. It's a maybe. It's a a hard maybe. It's a hard no working at one. Or napping at one. Is it a hard pass? Or is it the same? It's it's a- a- Go ahead. Me? I feel like a hotel, staying in a haunted hotel is less scary than staying yes. in a house. I, feel, I, I agree. And I think I'd be more likely to stay. Well, I would do both. I would stay in both. But I wouldn't bring anything anymore. I've learned my lesson. Like, I know that... Pre-pandemic, the Lizzie Borden house. You could stay the night there. I wouldn't do that. So I feel like what, that, what's one's that one's dark. So like the dark the energy there isn't good. Yeah. I mean, obviously, haunted places are seldom good. But like, if you're choosing to go to a place that's like knowingly dark, I don't want to do that. No. no, see, I would not. That I would not go to. Yeah. Because I feel like you're basically saying you're asking, zoning. Yeah, you're going there to like get a reaction. Yeah. Or get something. And I don't think, and there's a thing with this, with this house that, that someone mentions, like that there's both good experiences they have in the house with the hauntings and bad ones. So it's not like all, like you get like different reactions based on what entity it is. And I feel like, that's a little different. I don't think I would stay at a haunted house. I know I wouldn't stay at a haunted house. Maybe a hotel if I'm not alone and it's not like I'm in a king-size bed and I'm in the middle. <laughs> and I took NyQuil, so I'm asleep. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there have been... And the thing is, when I'm watching this documentary, there's like so many people being interviewed and you hear like EVPs like the recording stuff like that and you hear some noises or like moans or like wor- and I'm like ooh you don't like that and there have been countless investigators and radio shows done at this home all like paranormal stuff where the host and the investigators have witnessed things like ooh. I said hearing moans or seeing a ghostly apparition of a young girl sitting in a chair just like kicking her legs and like waiting and once they looked closer she was gone Oh, that's scary. Yeah. And like, that's the first floor activities that I mean, they kind of like categorize the activities by like by floor and room almost. Okay. And the second floor has more of the bedrooms and like living quarters. And 
apparently there's a closet where there's a lot of activity. And one of the volunteers recalled an experience with one of the visitors who a young girl, she was like probably, she, he said a young lady, so who knows. That She said, I want to go in there by myself of her own free will, not me. She goes in the closet, they close the door, and like less than five minutes later, she's banging and sobbing to let, to let, let her out. Because she felt something touch her from her spine, three cold but somehow hot fingers, three, go down her spine to her lower back. Oh, three is not good. I know. And the aforementioned paranormal radio show host who saw the young girl sitting when they're doing the recording there, they brought along a dog named Damon, who is apparently a paranormal dog, like a paranormal sensing dog. And you know, we've said it before on the show, animals sense things or see things that we can't see. But it's interesting to see it played out and used in this way. Like, I don't know how I feel about it. It makes me a little sad to see, like, to think about how they have to go interact with things that have the potential to be evil. And they're like pure little doggies. They're like, well, here we go again. Right? Like, oh, fuck. Here we go. You know? And it's like, and I know for a fact that Ferris would be a terrible, terrible paranormal dog. That poor boy is afraid of his own shadow. Not alone a shadow entity. Um, but Damon was a good boy, good and smart boy. And as he went into the house, he was walking around and he refused to go into one of the back rooms, which is said to be home to a particularly a particularly malevolent spirit. Because Damon knows what's up. So we have the shadow man with the heavy footsteps, children giggling and quick footsteps as they're kind of running around, they say. People being shoved on stairs. A visitor describing. Oh, wow, this is the worst one. This is the worst one. <laughs> I'm sorry. You okay? I have a cold. You want to you just take a second to breathe? Yeah, I'm going to get my cough drop. Here. I like that song. Thank you. We sing him lots of songs. One of the songs is Morning Snack for the Morning Boy. It's a morning snack for the morning boy. Morning snack for the morning boy. It's a morning snack for the morning boy. I like that one. That's for his pill. I love it so much. I really do. It used to be Midnight Snack for the Midnight Boy, but we gave it to him. We gave him his, his pills at night. But now you have him in the morning. So they're morning sat for the morning boy. Okay. So we have the shadow man with heavy footsteps, children's giggling and like quick running footsteps heard like they're running and playing. People being shoved downstairs. We haven't gone to that yet, but we will. That is so scary. Oh, just you wait. Okay. So <laughs> one of the visitors describes something that she compared to a rake. And a rake is something like in like supernatural or like like urban legend type thing that is akin to a humanoid creature. And she says it was crawling across the floor. No. And she said it was almost akin to a disfigured cat. 
with really long arms, but definitely not an animal. And I hated that, especially when I saw a visitor's drawing of what it looked like. Oh, send it to me. Okay, hold on. Bear with. Morning snack for the morning. Hey. <laughs> and sent. See this rake. Oh, no. No. Crawling across the floor. It has a shapely body. It and... looks like Slender Man and a skeleton and a demon all together. Yes, with extremely long arms. Longer than its body. Like this, crawling towards you. A rake. Ooh. Yeah. So. I, do, I do not want the rake to touch my feet when I'm getting up to go to the bathroom from no. underneath bed. Or you stand up and you see something move up by the doorway. You're like, what's that? You can't really see because it's like nighttime. You're kind of blind. I mean, I'm with my glasses. And all you see it go running towards you. Yeah. Okay. Now. One of the managers of the house on the second floor one time, the group of people, and they were near a table. What? Can you repeat that sentence? Mm-hmm. Now, one of the managers of the house was on the second floor with a group of people, and they were standing nearby a table. And the way she described it was the table moved. Almost like it was pushing them down the hall. And she said at the end of the hall, a human-like figure appeared with a goat-like head. Oh! Almost as if the table was moving them towards the figure. And I said, how did the story end? Because you just kept, like, moved on the documentary. I said, no. did you like, move away? Right. Said, what happened? Right. Where's Goatman? He's only mentioned there. That's it. That one time. And I said, mm, I have more questions about Goatman. Thank you. But there's a bedroom upstairs that belonged to the reported adopted daughter of the Gibbons named Rachel. And there are two stories regarding Rachel. One is that she tragically died here after getting burned by a fire around Christmas in 1912. The story goes she was trying to sneak to see Christmas presents and she got too close to the fire and she succumbed to her injuries. She got caught fire. And she succumbed to her injuries a few days later when they had her in the upstairs room to, like, convalesce. And now there's another story. Same outcome. But this one was created or told when one of the owners, when he newly purchased the place, had two psychics come in. And I I assume we're at different times. But they both said that Rachel actually had snuck into the doctor's office. And had taken a bottle of something like ether. Mm. And when she opened it, she was knocked unconscious. And that's when she was knocked unconscious, she fell into the tree, which back in those days, the trees actually had lit candles on them for the lights back in the day. And yeah. she fell into that, and that's when the fire got her. And this one also says, the guy said that the psychics also said that... The doctor gave her increasing dosages of morphine for the pain, quote unquote, but more so because he was trying to get rid of her because now as a child, she was damaged goods. (gasps) 
And I said, no wonder you still haunt this place, Dr. John, because you're a piece of shit. Oh. Um, and there is supposedly burn marks from that awful day that still remain on the pocket door between the parlor and the dining room. Ooh, take stuff off, right? I was, and I said, how do you know it's from that? Because the guy even showed the door and he said, that's why he believes what the psychics say because the other story says she closed the door behind her. And that's how to stop the fire from getting everywhere else. But he said the flames were only on part of the door as it was still open. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, how do you know that fire, those burns were? Anyway, her spirit is said to be the spirit of a little girl in, a, in the white. The man saw downstairs and the other man saw when he was in her room, he saw her walking towards the bedroom. And Rachel seems to be a big center of attention at the house. And a lot of guests come to see her and they come to bring her dolls. Why? And so the bedroom is full of dolls. And can I just say, these dolls aren't your run-of-the-mill Cabbage Patch Baby dolls. They're the type of dolls you'd expect to see in a haunted in a haunted ass house. <laughs> like porcelain dolls. Or creepy old vintage dolls. No. I said, why? Um, and she actually apparently has favorite dolls. Aww. And she'll apparently set off certain dolls that make noises when people ask her to. And sometimes when people say goodnight, sometimes they'll hear her whisper, night-night. Aww. And she is believed to throw jacks in the home and roll balls in empty rooms or down the hall. Like, people will sometimes roll the ball down the empty hall and it will roll back. Or it'll oh. move around the floor as if a child's playing with it. And, so the, and at the bedpost of her bed, it looks so weird. They have, like, these two inflatable beach balls. Kind of show movement. Because, like... Uh-huh. The guy is like, you know, sometimes they'll, they'll fall off. It's like, not just like a tap and it rolls off, but like a boom, like someone smacks it off. Oh. And people have, while doing investigations here, have seen movement on the bed, like a, pre- like a pressure, like someone sitting down or putting their hands on it and felt touches in there, like people touching their shoulder. Ooh. I read an article about the house and Rachel and in it had this experience. I'm going to read it like verbatim. It says, quote, a group of women visiting the home made a special effort to reach out to Rachel. They brought her a present, a doll, which they left in the second floor bedroom where Rachel died. They made themselves at home and began to try to communicate with the little lost soul. They called after the 10-year-old, according to paranormal investigator David Heatherly, who explained that the woman then heard something bounce down the stairs. On the landing at the bottom of the stairs, they saw the doll they had brought for Rachel. It was burnt looking and it smelled freshly burned. No. Now, in the documentary, however, they also mentioned this experience, but the way they described it was creepier because it says the ladies left the doll upstairs and went downstairs. And when they went back up to say goodnight to Rachel, the doll was gone. And they looked all over and couldn't find it. To the point that they left, they like left the house and the lady went back three months later and no one had seen the doll on that time. Really? And when she went back three months later, 
she asked Rachel about the doll. And Hold it on. was wrong. Go ahead. There was the doll. It was, she put it in the bedroom. So it was in her room when it disappeared? Yep. That I was okay, because I was gonna say, well, maybe like a kid took it, they saw it if it were out in the Yeah, no, in the bedroom. They put it on the bed. And she went and like not only that, but she left and came back three months later and they're like, No, we haven't we haven't seen the dolls. To the point where they have dolls over the house and like people like work there and like are there a lot, so they wouldn't know what doll it was. Yeah. And she asked Rachel about the doll. And then it was during that visit the doll came down the stairs, burnt, not hot, but smelling burned. Whoa. And like once again, I don't think I would willingly seek out an entity. Especially after the episode we did in which you spoke about how they use the appearance of like a young spirit often to make people feel more comfortable. Yeah. And, and I'm like, yeah, I don't mess with that. Mm-hmm. And one of the workers, apparently, her daughter spent the night with her there. Oh, that's a little scary. And her daughter slept in Rachel's room at the foot of the bed. Oh, young? I'm assuming young enough. Okay. And she said, her, according to the, her mother, the daughter said she woke up multiple times in the night to find one specific doll was down next to her. And she would wake up and put the doll back at the top of the bed and wake up later with that same doll next to her again. Creepazoid. Yeah. And then there's the attic, which a lot of people say is the heart of the house because they feel there's a strong presence there and almost like a vortex-like location where orbs are being seen, doors are slamming, and they hear people marching. Another terrifying experience happened when someone was laying down on the bed in the attic. Sleeping. No, she said she wasn't yet asleep. She just lay down and suddenly she was unable to move. And she saw two figures, a man to her right and a woman at the foot of the bed. And she tried to scream, but it could make a sound. And the next thing she knew, she felt claws gripping her back. And spinning and pulling her down. Oh. So she could see the bed above her. Like it was an unacceptable out-of-body experience. And she said she didn't know where she was being pulled to, but she knew that wherever it was, it was not good. And if she went, she would not be the same. Wow. So she somehow fought to return to her to return to herself and control of her body. Huh. Now, true or not, supernatural or not, sleep, sleep paralysis or not, I don't like it. <laughs> and there was another group there one time that assumed that they were alone in the house. And they were on the second floor and they heard a male's voice from the first floor. So they went downstairs to make sure there was if there was someone who was like, coming to join them or someone else in the house. Huh. And no one was there. And then while they're on the first floor... They heard the voice again right where they just were near Rachel and Jesse's room upstairs. So they go back upstairs. Nothing. No one's there. They're looking to make sure that everyone, like, is the, everyone's safe, including themselves. And then the voice comes from above. And it's the attic this time. And the group is thrilled because, like, okay, 
there's only one way in and out of the attic, one stairwell. So there's no, like, so if there's someone up there, they can't get down without passing. Yeah. So they go upstairs. And also, at this point, I don't think I would want to find the person. I'm like, but you do you. So yeah, they get either. up there. No one's there. So they turn on their flashlights to kind of like see more. And the moment like they turn on their like, phone's flashlights, the bed had lifted and slammed to the ground. Oh. And a small shadow was running from the room. Oh, no, Dan. And someone asked, are there multiple people here? And somewhat, something cupped someone's shoulder and ran their fingers down their back. And there was... How have I never heard of this place? Right? And there was an after-visit statement that read, and I'll read this quote. This is the last thing I'll say before we leave. What we experienced in the middle room with the bed was unexplainable, and we're still and we're still reeling from it. Whatever it was, it wouldn't respond to us with the lights on. The last time in the room, the bed sounded like it was actually lifted up and it had slammed back on the ground. That was the last we heard from whatever it was. My sister-in-law and niece refused to go back in that room. After that, one went into a panic attack and couldn't breathe or talk. And it's also said that Jessie, the wife, because she died of like para, not para, she died of brachial pneumonia. Uh-huh. And it's said that people in that room that she's in have trouble breathing. Oh. And there's also been like table turning things. I don't really understand that. They showed it and it like had one of the next, what they had it on video. And it's like, oh, a table tipping? Table tipping. That's the table tipping. Yeah, I know. Table- I've done it. Jesus, fuck me. So they had a table tipping thing, and you see the table tilt over into someone and start crushing him. The point, and his chair was like, his chair could have moved back if, like, if it was, but he was like pinned in place. No. Yeah. So, Megan, would you go visit her from the night? No. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No. No, 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 no. But what Uh -uh. you would do is you would rate and review our podcast, right? Uh, Yeah. Five stars. Five stars all around. So, if you, dear listeners, would like to do the same thing and rate and review our podcast wherever you can find it, that would be great. It would mean a lot. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Scary Sisters Pod. And you can email us any questions, concerns, comments, just lovely anecdotes about how lovely we are at scarysisterspod at gmail.com. And until next week, remember, stay safe and stay spooky. Megan? Love you. Bye.